Hello, Worcester and the world. You're listening to Public Hearing on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Joshua Croak. I'm the founder of Action by Design. We're an equity-centered community development agency that works with people to realize equitable, just, and joy-filled futures through art and design. Public Hearing is our show about making public participation and civic engagement more accessible in Worcester, our home base, and sharing stories from people in our community doing work that resonates with our commitment of engaging people with purpose. This is the Public Hearing Podcast. We are wrapping up our series today on ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act funding that is bringing $146 million to Worcester to address the impacts of the pandemic in our communities. We will certainly be coming back to this topic over the coming months, as this is such a critical focal point right now in our community. These funds are truly transformative, at least they should be. For listeners who might be just tuning in, these dollars are earmarked for projects that support those disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, which are low-income communities and communities of color. To chat about this today, we have Bill Shaner back on the show from Worcester Sucks and I Love It and the Worcester's Good But Hurts podcast. Thanks for being here, Bill. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. So we chatted at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, continued chaos ensued through these, you know, these yeah. many months. Right. Uh, ARPA is maybe not as much of a point of conversation as it should be at people's dinner tables, but yeah. this is a lot of money right. that's coming yeah. into the city. And we've had conversations with a lot of folks in our community who are looking at this from different perspectives, um, really in the the different areas in which people um, are working, in which this money could be allocated for mental mm-hmm. health, food security, housing, et cetera, like addressing these issues connected to the pandemic. One of the things that I've found challenging is, as well as like a common thread through all of this is a lack of community awareness and understanding around how to actually like get information about what's going on with ARPA, right? The city launched a dashboard, a financial dashboard, which I'm looking at as we're talking. Hey, same. Which, you know, I, as as someone with a background in user experience and user interface design, I'm like, there's a lot of work that could be done here, but it's also probably better than a handful of things the city's provided in the past, but also is still relatively obscure. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can start there. From like sure. your experience as a reporter in the city, maybe talk a little bit about the difficulty or if it is difficult of finding access to information and data to report on what the city's doing. Because I have found that I spend most of my time trying to track this information right. than actually diving into the data. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's not something that's unique to Worcester, though I think Worcester could be doing a much better job than it is. But, I mean, uh, my career as a reporter, I've worked in, you know, a, a bunch of different municipal governments. And, you know, all of them are, are pretty much the same in that, you know, there's a there's a there's there's kind of an attitude of, like, oh, well, it's not my job to make sure the public knows about this. You know, it's not my job to make sure that this is like something that can be easily found and digested. And I also think that there's sort of a, a, a current that runs through like the, the culture of uh, your, your city hall, especially management, that's like, yeah, you know, we say we want public engagement, but you know, in, in like little, 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 uh, little, um, increments, you know, we don't want too much of it, you know, right. Exactly. I actually asked the other day, I was like, what is the city's like 
what's the public budget for community engagement? And they're like, it doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Like, we're, they were like, what do you mean, social media? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 right, it's like, right. wait, you don't actually have a funding mechanism to engage the community. Yeah, right. And I mean, uh, in, in, a, in a different media economy where there are more reporters and there's a more robust sort of fourth estate for all the problems that go into that term. I mean, like the, that they, we, like the, the, the press could be doing more to, to get the public involved in, in this stuff sort of dry and wonky on the surface as it is. I think that's the job that the press should be doing that we're not doing. It's like kind of the, the thing I'm trying to, to really address in the, the newsletter uh, with sort of like the um, you know the, the 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 chains taken off of what's expected of your uh, your standard you know municipal government reporter, um, but I mean I am good at this shit uh, stuff. Sorry, I don't know if I can. Uh, oh, we might have to curse on the Yeah, knows? sorry, sorry. I'll keep it in mind. But uh, I'm good at this stuff, and I have a hard time. Uh, it's not really a system designed to facilitate. Um, uh, a big public discussion. It's just designed to let the counselors know what goes, what's going on, uh, and the counselors don't even like really read the stuff that the city hall gives them a lot of the time. Um, but they they are all these reports and stuff are technically there. It just takes a working knowledge of how government works that um, if you're not like uh, a weird like little freak like me, uh, that is objectively hard to get into and the barriers for even understanding let alone caring are are massive uh and i just i want to thank you for for asking me to do this because i had completely forgotten about arpa since like maybe the winter right like uh it seems like we we we, we got the plan from city hall and how they plan to to spend the money and then it's just been little drips and drabs of things since then and i mean i went through and i got some notes on what those drips and drabs have been but it's like, okay, we told you how, you're gonna, how we're going to spend it. We made a couple committees to oversee the spending. But almost all of this money isn't spent yet. I mean, they haven't really yeah, decided like where it's going. Literally $13 million has been spent. And right. almost all of that has been on internal municipal support. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, $13 million, 9.4 went to revenue recovery, which, uh, I mean, we can get into this, but I don't think that the spirit of... Uh, what ARPA is has anything to do with recovering parking receipts from the DCU center, mm -hmm. right? Like that's something that they're technically allowed to do with the money, but there's a huge difference between what you should do with this money and what you're allowed to do with it, you know? Absolutely. And Worcester, uh, I think the, the, the biggest and most fair criticism of Worcester's plan to spend this money is they touch on literally everything that you're allowed to do with it. Whereas the public messaging is on the things that they should be doing, uh, which is uh, what they call just generally like community needs or community projects, whatever bureaucratic term they use for that. And that's only, uh, as it stands right now, the proposal is only 52 million of the 146 is going towards that. I mean, and like 40 of that is earmarked already for, that's what they, I think, are considering their housing bucket. Right, There's the housing like, bucket is uh, is is. 30 million right now. Yeah, I believe. But yeah, so like sort of within that 52 million is the things that are, are the things that like would generally meet the spirit of what ARPA should be doing for the community. And like there's problems within that too, but like that's way more justifiable of an expense than like 
you know, technology upgrades and infrastructure uh, and, and stuff that you really should be figuring out with your, uh, the, your budget, you know, the, the money you already have, the money you get every year and the money you spend every year. Like, that's, like, what City Hall does. Mm -hmm. uh, so, in that way, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. And it, but it's not for nothing that, you know, there's $15 million going towards the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, uh, and that there's going to be an Affordable Housing Trust Fund Board of Trustees that um, is, like, a decent group of people. I'm a little bitter because I applied for it and didn't get on it. Mm. Uh, but all of, I think all the people on that are, 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 are good, and that's, like, a, a good mechanism uh to create more affordable housing which we desperately need in this city um and it it just would have been nice if the whole pot went towards these things and know? that exactly and that is something that i've challenged from the beginning of this is like how the community was actually engaged in setting these priorities and does this Fund, do these funding allocations even align with what the community has been saying, right? The, right. the the city did an end of year survey that I think, you know, again, it was like a hundred plus people, you know, responded to. And it's yeah. like, great, there's some data, but in a city of 200,000 people, 174 respondents to a survey isn't giving you a lot of accurate information as to what the community is really asking for and yeah. what really needs prioritized. Right. And there's been no like real substantive effort to think about it creatively and to see what other communities are doing uh, and to really think consciously about, you know, how do we spend this money in the way that it best reflects the spirit in which it was given, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the people most impacted by the pandemic. Uh, it goes towards programs and, uh, and, and, you know, public infrastructure and um, assistance for those people. Uh, revenue recovery for the DCU center, which is like basically the only thing that's been spent so far, probably because it's the easiest to spend, mm -hmm. uh, is not, no one cares about that right. at all. And that I doesn't help anybody. Right. And, and for <laughs> listeners, the city has to like allocate this money by the end of 2024 yes. to everything and then spend it by 2026. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. And and so there's the question of, okay, the city's initial intent to be perceived as leading with equity in this is to, okay, we're going to create these ad hoc committees, right? And now people have been assigned to these ad hoc committees, and there was decent community advocacy from a few folks. We had Gina Platanino mm -hmm. on the show earlier, and, and Casey Burns from the Coalition for a Healthy Greater Worcester literally had like supported people by saying like, call us if you need help on the application, we will help make this process as easy as possible for folks where there's al already a barrier for folks to feel enabled to kind of apply for this. Right, um, right. Applications for these ad hoc committees was not very vast and broad. So the people selected were out of the small pool of people that applied, mm -hmm. which again, like you're going through this, like the filter of yeah, right, city right. process to get yeah. the few folks, you know, involved. And the, I guess the real question that I have here is like, how are those people being set up for success? What resources are they being provided and supported in fulfilling the obligations or the duties of these positions? Right. And well, I think that um, it's important to understand that these ad hoc committees based of community people that the city manager personally appoints, by the way, um, take that for what it is. Um, is they are 
not really responsible for generating proposals for how this is spent. That's not something that um, they, uh, you, you might even have a law department trying to make it a, a, like a, a judgment if it ever came to that, that like, no, these have to come from City Hall, has to generate them, you know, and then you can just vote up or down on it. Uh, so that's, you know, like, it, it is good that we have community members involved in the dispensing of these funds, but it is in a limited capacity. I mean, all at the end of the day, all of the funding proposals are going to come from City Hall or through from somewhere else through City Hall, like with the regional food hub and Discover Central Massachusetts, which is just the Chamber of Commerce getting money from the city, pretty much. Uh, so, well, and, and you yeah. raise a great point there, and like, reg and I'm not making a statement of whether or not the food hub deserves funding. Yeah, no, I, I I would the, say it does. Yeah, the, but the the fact that without any community input, the city just says, we're giving this a million dollars as opposed to other things that are going on in the community does, you know, really look suspicious in like who's actually being supported and enabled to be successful yeah. through this process and who is not. Right? right. And that's, you know, that's the story of Worcester city hall, any city hall, uh, for all time is there is, uh, there's an insider culture. Uh, you know, I'm a part of it. I'm one of the, I'm, You're in, one of the, I'm in the Worcester inner circle. That's right. We haven't spoken yeah. since your uh, yeah. inner circle. I know I'm in, I'm in the Worcester inner circle and you know, I was <laughs> up, I was up in the gated, uh, community up off of, uh, up of, of, uh, what's it called? Salisbury street, mm. you know, with the cameras yes, and, the, and the pretty, Hills. the pretty, uh, the pretty street signs. And I was landscaping, uh, but I got there. I was there. I was in. I was in for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not anywhere close to being in what anyone could conceivably call the inner circle of Worcester. But you know who is is Tim Murray, and you know who got the first ARPA allocations is Tim Murray. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> um, and that's that's um, that's just politics, baby. You know, like it's uh, it's it's an unfortunate reality. Uh, and that reality bleeds through this entire thing. I mean, the, the, the infrastructure around the claim that this is an equity-led process uh, are these ad hoc committees, uh, and those will have some modicum of say over how a third of this money gets spent. The, you know, the community programs, the community initiatives is 52 million out of 146. That's a that's a third of the money. The other two thirds are being spent as if this is just new, um, you know, uh, tax revenue to mm -hmm. incorporate into projects that uh, City Hall has just had on the back burner. You know, and that's you know that's that's disappointing. I, I think that there's there's uh, there's more creative, more aggressive, more progressive ways of spending this money. Um, that would make a bigger impact on the residents who were the the most disenfranchised and put out by the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, I, I would beg anybody in City Hall to make the, you know, moral argument that enterprise resource planning system benefits, you know, somebody living on Grafton Hill that can't afford their apartment anymore and, you know, got put out by the pandemic and uh, is, is, you know, facing uh, sort of an impossible uh, situation of staying in this city. Like, uh, I, 
I don't see how that um, that that is in the spirit of what these funds should be for. It's you know it's technically legal, <laughs> you know, and like that's just a great. You love to hear people make that case. Well, you know, it's a, it's legal for us to spend the money this way. It's like oh okay, exactly. Okay, it's, sure. It's so frequently, like no, we can do this, but yeah. it's like should you though? Like is, right. is this how you should be doing yeah. this? Before I came on, I was listening to the episode you did with Eric Batista. And that is probably the the best uh, information we have so far on how the city really plans on, you know, spending this money. Um, and he he said often it's like, yeah, well, we're allowed to do this, we're allowed to do that, you know. And it's like, okay, just because like this this money that came with a million carve outs and caveats and all the wonkery of the federal government doesn't mean that you're like. Uh, honor bound to hit all of the caveats, you know, you should like, we, we could have made a conscious choice that literally all of this money goes to affordable housing. And you know? I, I am also still salty that Ed Augustus stood us up that morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right, um, right. Yeah. And the, and the re you know, the main reason being, you know, for listeners is like, it wasn't just, you know, Ed Augustus not informing us that he wasn't attending an interview that he said he was going to be attending and Eric Batista informing us two minutes before we started recording that he wasn't coming. It's the fact that there is always this, well, this was done before me argument, right? And so mm-hmm. Ed set these budget priorities and now Eric stepping in as city manager simply gets to say and fall back on, well, this was inherited. And so now I'm kind of stewarding this process. Right. And right. The, the other challenging piece for me there was, you know, when asking about these ad hoc committees and that the power that they should hold, you know, at the end of the day, Eric's like, yeah, I still get to make the decision. These are just, you know, people that are serving and, informing me about recommendations, but I can or cannot take them. Right. Right. And exactly. So, like, yeah. What real power and authority are we giving these people to hold our, you know, administration accountable? And that's a, that's a frustrating, um, like reality to put next to the sort of complaints from city hall. Like, Oh, we have all these vacancies on these committees. How come no one ever wants to be on these committees? And it's like, Oh yeah, uh, like spend a year on it and see that you're just wasting your time. You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, there's just, it's a it's a problem in the structure of the city charter. It's a problem in the structure of city hall that I like. They, there's no there's no real authority there. There's just like a there's just a recommendation. You know, uh, and so it's a tenuous claim then to say that it's an equity led process based on the creation of these ad hoc committees if these ad hoc committees only exist in an advisory role, um, that, they're, that they're, they're, they're basically giving a yay or a nay to policies that the city hall creates or, or funding proposals that the city hall creates and then the city hall authorizes. Um, and, you know, it's been funny, like, it's, it, there's, there's been a couple of things that have come out sort of quietly, way under the radar, um, uh, that are are relative to ARPA, uh, but they're they're not getting talked about holistically. Like May twenty fourth, like I don't think they even talked about it. Uh, the city council approved. I don't even know if they legally have to approve it at this point. You know that's another confusing thing um, in our style of government. But they like a back pay for for first first responders uh, under the employment of city hall, and that's how two point five million of ARPA is getting spent. Um, and you know that's cops. <laughs> like that's just cops, 
you know? Uh, and, you know, it's not, it's not awful. The proposal is like $3,000 for people that make less than $60,000, $1,500 for people who make more than $60,000. And if you make, I think if you make $150,000 or more, um, then you get 500 or you get nothing, rather. You get nothing if you make more than 100 uh, yeah, 150% of the state average annual wage, which is $109,000. So if you make like 160 or more, you get nothing. But you know, does that include uh, detail work? I don't, I don't know. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Mm. So yeah, so that that went through with like I don't think it even got written about, you know. And that was just like, yep, okay, cool. Back pay for all the city hall workers, and it just wasn't wasn't really earnestly discussed in any way. Right. And yeah. when we're thinking about, again, like people who are most disproportionately impacted of like low income communities and communities of color, like we're dealing with folks who are making $20,000 a year, if that yeah. in the community. And it's like, no, let's prioritize like, you know, people making 60 plus here yeah. that work for the city. And it's like, again, not saying that people in our communities aren't like deserving of some support for what they went through, through this yeah. pandemic. And where is this money being spent on the everyday needs of people right, that right. have significant need? Like people who are at the end of this month going to be displaced because they can't afford rent. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, like going on like the, the, the line of logic that like we're allowed to spend this money this way, you were allowed to do 146 divided by 200. You know, just do 146 million divided by 200,000 and- Give the money away. Mm. And that would have been immensely popular. It's the first time in many people's lives that they would see City Hall as having done anything at all for them. Uh, and it would have like done a lot more to honor the spirit of this money than the way that the majority of it is being spent. And, you know, like, but what we're going to have is sort of like a, a messaging campaign that this is an equity-led uh, initiative, and you know, there's just a there's a certain type of person that just loves to hear that word, and as soon as they hear that word, it's good, and you know, trusted, <laughs> yeah, right. No, and, yeah. and I get into this argument or conversation all the time around like understanding what equity is versus like understanding equity as process versus right. outcome, and that's something that our city at large, I think, is a no concept of what equity first solutions and practices actually look like. Yeah, um, and so. Right. Like that's like a, a huge issue and we are already like rapidly approaching the end of our time. Oh, so no. what, what things, uh, what else uh, do you have that you want to bring to, to this space? Um, yeah. So I'll say that, you know, this isn't, this isn't over yet. It's not done. There's still mm. a lot of work to be done in holding the city to account to spending the money the way that they say. You know, it's it's so entirely possible that everyone just forgets about ARPA and the plan changes and, you know, oh, we got this pressing need and, oh, we can't cover our polar park loan payment and, you know, we got to use some ARPA money, move some money around so we can, you know, pay the construction crews back for building this uh, you know, ballpark. But, you know, so like we've got to like keep them, keep them honest, basically, is what I would say. And I, I mean, the battle over the general shape of how this money is going to be spent, I think is sort of that ship has sailed. This is what's going to happen. But I think that even though 
the uh, quote unquote community is only getting a third of this money. It's still a lot of money and we still got to make sure that this money goes to helping people, that this 15 million in the affordable housing trust fund doesn't just sit there collecting interest, right? That we spend it, that we, we, we spend money on infrastructure to help our most disenfranchised people are unhoused, like get a, get a meaningful housing first program going, you know, like when I say meaningful, I mean like the, you, you like, you asked city hall how they handle the unhoused, like what, what their strategy is with that. And they'll just spit a million, you know, wonky things mm -hmm. at you. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just shuffling them around the city while offering alternatives that are not good enough that right. are not suitable. And then the cops just have the, uh, the busy work of just, you know, throwing away all the stuff at one camp so that another can pop up on the other side of the city in, in, in the next week. And, you know, if we like, if we threw more money at a housing first, the rapid rehousing sort of, sort of deal for this, then we would be, um, we would be adequately addressing the problem in a way that feels like it's just politically untenable right now. And that's, you know, budgets are moral documents. We love to say that. It's always worth pointing out. And the budget for ARPA has $4 million of $146 million going to uh, um, uh, housing first solutions for the unhoused. Um, and that kind of says like, all, all you need to say about it, honestly. It's yep. like... You, you can you can talk about equity all you want, um, and it might be marketing that works for people who don't want to think about it in earnest, but I don't think that what we're seeing right here is necessarily um, reflective of what equitable spending would look like uh, if it were really true to the spirit of the word and the spirit of how ARPA um, uh, was given to cities and towns across the country, you know? Yeah, and unfortunately, I completely agree. And for listeners, I think, again, the advocacy time period is not spent. Like, there is, again, I agree with you that the money overall has been earmarked, and that's how it's going to be spent if it's not rerouted and you yeah, know, uh, right, you know right. repositioned. But there is the, and some of the equity first folks in the community that I've been talking with um, are looking at, all right, there's $10 million earmarked for other community-based initiatives, mm -hmm. which I think might be where we have the most power to influence what that money goes to. And right. I really hope it is equity first solutions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is, I was going to talk about that. There is 10 million of this that's still un, 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 unallocated or there's no plan for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, through, through some of our city councilors that are amenable to these things, it, it would uh, behoove us to start putting ideas on the table for that so that it doesn't get sucked up by, you know, Tim Murray. Because uh, he's waiting, he's waiting in the wings. You know, he's he's looking at that. How can I get that money? You know. Totally. Uh, so yeah, that's what I would say. I think that that's that's a that would honestly be the most productive way to frame the conversation. Is that there's 10 million of this that still hasn't been spent? How can we spend this in the best way possible? Well, our time has flown. Thank yes. you, Bill, yeah. uh, for coming on the show. You're listening to Public Hearing. We've been talking with Bill Shaner from Worcester Sucks, and I love it. Our podcast and radio show. 
Public hearing airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Joshua Croak. Our audio producer is Juliana Durazio, who also made our show music. Thank you to Molly Gammon and Kelly Kajurek, who also support the production of the show. Get even more connected to us at publichearing.co. The work continues, Worcester. Thanks for listening. 